invite Juanita forward. Um, just having a few mic checks. Juanita's going to be speaking us, to us this morning. Um, so why don't we um, just stretch out a hand and just pray blessing as Juanita comes to share with us. Father, thank you that you have given Juanita the words to speak, that you have cultivated in her a gift. And we ask that you, by your spirit, would breathe through her and we would benefit from that gift, Jesus. And we would learn about you and we would feel like we have encountered you, Jesus. In the mighty name of your son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, so if you want to grab your Bibles, um, we're going to read from um, Luke chapter 19. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people who saw this began to mutter and said, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So when Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. The people were grumbling. They muttered, does Jesus not know he is a sinner? He's not someone you would pick to be a friend. So my little boys are five and six, and, it's, and they love stories. And children have such a gift of imagination and comments and observations that really bring stories to life. So in this story, Luke is really the master storyteller. And this passage is so visually descriptive. In teaching us about the heart of God, who really is pursuing a connection with us. So... In the Walker family retelling in the video of, of this story, as the king that everyone wanted to see walks by, a short little man is hiding. He's hiding up a tree. And Luke tells us that Zacchaeus ran. It was very undignified for a wealthy Jew to run in those days. And he was a chief tax collector, very powerful man, probably very used to giving instructions. Could he not have just summoned Jesus to tea? But Zacchaeus runs. And then he climbs up a sycamore fig tree. The sycamore fig tree is mentioned only once in the New Testament. And in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, the sycamore tree, fig tree was probably a bit more like a bush with big leaves. A 
and very bitter fruit. And what was worse, its fruit was fertilized by wasps. So that meant a wasp crept under the skin of the fruit and laid eggs. So a bit of a wasp nursery. So I'm terrified of wasps, and nothing would persuade me to go near a tree infested by wasps. So here we see Zacchaeus, sort of maybe physically short, but I think emotionally also probably only this short. Wealthy on the outside, but really weighed down inside, emotionally quite hunched over. Wealthy and rich outside, but wracked with shame and guilt inside. Outwardly powerful, but quite broken inside. Maybe with the knowledge of everything he'd done, the people he'd cheated, the bad decisions, the complicated deals. With so little self-worth that he did not feel Jesus would want his company. With so little self-worth that he picked a tree infested with wasps to hide in. I think while a part of him was really curious about Jesus, he runs and picks the tree. He was fairly sure no one would walk close by. And he hid up this bush, peeping, wanting to see Jesus, but too afraid to ask. And then I think this is really precious. And I see Jesus in my imagination with a crowd around him, straying off the main path. And you can hear the crowd muttering again. Mm, Jesus heads towards this wasp-infested tree in pursuit. And then Jesus stops. And Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and sees him. And Jesus recognized that he was cloaked in filth and shame, manipulative, horrible tax collector, guilty, hiding. But Jesus looks at him, almost saying, I And what I didn't know until very recently was that the name Zacchaeus means clean and pure. And I can see Jesus' piercing eyes looking at Zacchaeus and calling his name Zacchaeus. But in the spirit, Jesus is calling clean and pure. Zacchaeus, I made you to be clean and pure. And I think at that moment where Jesus calls out clean and pure, Zacchaeus begins to receive the grace of God. And he suddenly realizes that he was known. That everything he'd ever been, um, ever done or thought or felt was known. And even in that knowing, in that knowing he was loved. He was forgiven. Jesus wanted to come to his house as a friend. And in that moment, I think, just looking at Jesus' eyes, he probably went through the catalogue of everything he'd done, everything he'd ever done that defiled him, every sort of upside-down emotion, every shame, before he could receive this grace to be clean and pure. And in that moment, in that one moment, Jesus calls him and calls his name. It changed Zacchaeus' heart. It revealed his true heart. It changed his heart into what God had made it to be. In being seen and being known, Zacchaeus repents and his heart was changed. And he goes from being a sinner to a man that is known, 
clean and pure, a friend of God. The old Zacchaeus is gone. The new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. And you can hear the voiceover commentary saying, Zacchaeus, while you couldn't make a choice in your weakness, in your hiding, I came, I saw, I called you. I want a heart connection with you. I want to come to your house today. I want to be your friend. So I grew up in the church. I had incredible parents who loved God and were full of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I grew up soaked in scripture and church tradition. So I remembered being just past my eighth birthday when the reality of the world hit me. And suddenly I was aware of, well, if Jesus walked into the room and said this, and this happened in the Bible, why is it not happening in the world? Why is it not happening in the church? And that question burned me. (laughs) My poor mother would try to try his best to grapple with me. But as those of you with teenagers would understand, I was persistent and very annoying. (laughs) Our conversations would mostly end with me being told that I would have to wait till I got to heaven to ask Jesus myself. (laughs) So at risk of telling you how old I am, this is very much pre-alpha, where challenging your church leaders and waving a Bible was probably going to cause trouble. And my mother very gently told me that my opinions and thoughts and questions were perhaps not best voiced out loud. Um, And so I became a real expert at hiding. Um, Hiding what I thought, what I really felt, really skilled in saying the right things in the right situation. But as I grew, the burning questions just grew. And the disconnect between what was pristine on the outside and wrestling inside only heightened. So by the time I got to university, this tension between what I'd been taught and heard in the Bible and my incessant questions and wanting proof that God was real was really escalating. So I took a year out to study developmental neuroscience, um, believing that if I could understand how the reasoning brain was formed, I'd be able to work out the answer to this question. Was God real or had we made him up as a crutch? Um, So I spent most of this year alone in a dark basement, looking down a microscope and making videos of growing frog brains. (laughs) And as I watched each brain cell grow and and have these neurons that stuck out and navigated perfectly each time to make these perfectly defined connections, one night God showed up. And I encountered the tangible presence of God filling the room. And as I I watched these frog brains, I could see the hand of God directing, orchestrating, knitting them together. And the presence of God in the room was powerful and real and glorious. And I fell to the floor and it was terrifying. And all my catalog of questions melted away. I was in awe. He was real. Um, But I was terrified. I expected God to be stern seeing as he could and knowing my every inner thought, my doubts, my shouting, my negative emotions, everything I'd done or not done, everything I'd been hiding. But all I felt was love and the sense of him smiling. He saw me, he knew me, he was fond of me. 
was no, no need for hiding. He made me curious and questioning and annoying. And that was precisely where God turned up to meet me. What he wanted was a connection to my heart, a real connection. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm so, so grateful that God in his graciousness did not leave me stuck hiding up a sycamore tree. And that is why I love the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus pursues him, even when he is hiding with wasps. He wants to be close to him. In his glance, Jesus creates a safe space where Zacchaeus is known and fully loved. And he does that again and again today with each of us. In his presence, as he looks at us, in that safe space, we are known. There is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus, who are connected to him. All the things that we are hiding that we wish no one could see is crucified in him. No longer I who live, but Christ. And in that safe space, he offers us his friendship as he says to Zacchaeus, today I want to come to your house. And Luke leaves us on a cliffhanger. <coughs> we are not told what happens when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. And the Gospels make it clear that Jesus lived in community. He and his disciples traveled and ate and slept and worked together. And Jesus liked a party. He provided the wine for the wedding. He created the oil of joy. We know the angels rejoice when one person turns to Jesus. So there probably was a huge party that day. But Jesus also had real relationships with his disciples. He brought them in close, a real intimacy. Jesus was the king who invited his best friend, John, to lay his head on his chest at dinner. He sat the lonely in families. When you have an encounter with Jesus, he doesn't leave you alone. He brings his friends alongside you. Jesus' friends become Zacchaeus' friends and are alongside him as he gives money to the poor and lives out his purpose for the rest of his life. And I think that is why Luke writes down this story so carefully. There were hundreds of people in the crowd that day that Jesus met and spoke to. But Zacchaeus encountered Jesus and was a life transformed. He met with the God who sees and becomes fully alive, coming into his purpose and calling. And I think very much went on to live a significant life in the early church. In this story, Jesus also models friendship for us, painting a picture of how our lives as a community should be. And friendships provide a safe space for being known, being fully known, a space for being raw and real. And even when life feels a complete mess, Christian friends sit alongside us, sometimes just holding us, but also as Jesus sees Zacchaeus, the mess, the hiding, but also what he was meant to be, but calls it out and allows God's grace to transform him. That is a really key part of Christian friendships. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a buried treasure in the field. And even when the field looks like a poo-infested, yucky, smelly mud pit, 
I think of Christian friends that God placed around us who prayed for us, not only with us, but not only for us, but with us. Friends who see as God sees and are able to call things out, speaking words and pictures, encouragement and hope. Seeing not the problem, but God's promise, not confusion or difficulties, but God's solutions. And connect groups and prayer triplets are a great way for these safe spaces and special friendships to bloom. Spaces for us to be fully known as we journey through life. A safe space where the grace of God can transform and bring life to whatever situation we are facing. So we're just going to move into a time of ministry if the worship team can come back. And, and if I just invite you to just close your eyes. The God of heaven, creator of the whole universe, is wanting a connection with us. He's pursuing our hearts. He is the God who sees us, the God who knows us. He is fond of us. I want to come to your house today. I want you to be fully alive in what I've created you to be. I sense this, a grace today for those who feel they're in the middle of a battle clinging on to the promises of God, struggling in, in the tree of not yet, not yet. And the God who sees is calling out, I see you, I know you. I want to come to your house today. I want a connection with you. to stand let's wait on the Lord he's going to minister into our hearts now thank you Lord for all that you're stirring up in us thank you for the things you've been saying to individual people different things that they need to hear I think there's some today who heard as Juanita spoke and wanted to connect with Jesus or reconnect with him, connect for the first time or, or reconnect after feeling that they've lost that connection. If that's you, I want you to turn your heart to the Lord and put all the, uh, the, the pain, any brokenness, any, anything that the world has put on you or that you've taken on, just put it at the foot of the cross and let the Lord take it and receive Jesus, receive his spirit now drawing you in and filling you. Thank you, Lord. There might be some who resonated with the idea of being, well, of not being pure and clean, maybe identified in some of Zacchaeus in the story. And if, if you feel that in any way, just receive the grace of God. We had that picture earlier of the cross 
And it's the cross that makes it possible for us to become pure and clean as we were made to be. There's, there's that grace to be restored and made new today. Thank you, Lord. as we continue to respond why don't we worship and I'd ask the prayer ministry team to just come to the front there'll be people here and here and make yourself available I think really those two words that Stu and Juanita were talking about if you feel like you've lost that connection with God and you long to have that moment that Juanita had just kind of seeing the frog brains of all places and being reconnected with the God who knows you and loves you we want to pray for you today that you would know that God loves you and he's for you. And if there's anything else you want prayer for, I think it's important considering we've seen God heal people, that you come forward if you want healing. We want God to continue to work. So if the prayer ministry team come forward now, and if any of that resonates with you, please do start to come forward and get prayer. People are here to be prayed for you. If you can't get prayed for in church, you can't get prayed for most places. So let's worship and we've got a bit of time to respond to what God's doing and speaking. So do come and grab some prayer. Thank you. 
just as the band continue to play I think it'd be great if we could sing again that, that chorus that says death could not hold you the veil tore before you and just declare that over 